Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. I'm Kristen Vandeveer here with Isabel Kiyosayan. We are the founders of Meditation Without Borders with Shannon O'Dalton. And today we are talking about relationships. Yay, relationships. <laughs> <laughs> relationships, everyone's favorite topic, relationships, which is funny because it actually is everyone's favorite topic. As teachers, we get more co- more questions about relationships than anything else, probably. Would you say so? Definitely. You get really, even our teacher, Tom, says he goes to these amazing places with these top-notch people who've won Nobel Prizes and they want to talk about their relationships. And it's <laughs> true for absolutely everyone because it's it's what we kind of what we live for in a sense and why we're here. So it's very important topic. (laughs) It is. Well, it has so much of a influence in our, in our lives. How is it that we are relating to the other people (laughs) in our lives, whether they're our spouse or children or family or just the people we see every day. Um, So there's a lot of myths about relationships which we could start on because um, I think a lot of the problems with relationships that people have comes from some expectations that have been set up by our culture. Yeah. We can listen to any song and they're all about (laughs) without you, I'm nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You're you complete me and um, I'm only a half. And so Starting from there, there's a problem already. Thinking that we're not whole as just ourselves. Exactly. Uh, there's this that that romantic that notion of romantic love is actually something that hasn't been around that long. I believe the notion of romantic love was really popularized around the 1700s, and it's. Um, the romantic love really is that this idea that you need someone else to feel complete. You need this, this we're, we're just these half beings roaming around looking for our other half. Um, And there's, there's something, there's something nice in that, but what, when we really break it down, what we're saying with that is that we are empty and that we're looking for someone else to fill us up. So that makes us demanding. (laughs) (laughs) And, too needy and needy this is not the way you want to enter a relationship yeah it's not elegant behavior it's not it's not the best way basically you're what what we as meditators are doing is we are meditating going within to find fulfillment within ourselves and then we take that fulfillment to those in our lives it's basically sh- we want to share in that fulfillment. It's like if you're going to someone with an empty bag and saying, fill this up, that's not a good foundation to start a relationship. But if you're giving someone a bag of rainbows and unicorns <laughs> and saying, here, do you have a bag of rainbows and unicorns? Let's share our our, our magic together. <laughs> <laughs> then then you've got something something good. You're sharing in in that fulfillment together. Exactly. And and the thing is, is that if you put that pressure on somebody, you have to fulfill me, you have to fulfill all of my needs, even if that person 
would put all of their effort in doing that, which probably won't happen, but let's suppose that they do, it will never be enough because mm -hmm. that emptiness cannot be fulfilled about by outside things. It can only be fulfilled by by inside, by your own inner bliss, which as you were saying is what we do in meditation. And so if we are unhappy and we jump into a relationship, we can be happy for a little while, but it's the same story that we know that happiness comes from within and we can continue to search it outside. We can try to fulfill it with jobs, with clothing, with um, trips, with whatever, and it'll be fulfilling for a little while, but then we'll feel that feeling of emptiness again because it, we can never be fulfilled by outside things. We have to find it within first. So our relationships are just, an, they just show us how happy we are already inside. Yeah, they're outlets for happiness. We're not, we're not looking to import it. We're looking to export the happiness. And the relationships that we have are, are vehicles for that exported happiness. I find the habit of, of looking for happiness in someone else, it creeps in. It's like there's, there's times I have to check myself because I'm, I'll be like, I'll be annoyed. I'll be like, oh, this person I'm with is not paying attention to me. So I'm going to go over here and pout. <laughs> <laughs> love me. <laughs> like, come on. Don't you love me? Why won't you say you love me? Like looking for that attention. I find even as a meditator and someone who even teaches this stuff, it's a habit to be looking for it in the relationship. And when that happens, I just try to observe it and see like, okay, what effect is this having on my relationship? What happens if I turn it the other way. What happens if I go, I sit with myself, I do my practice, I get myself in a good place. Then it seems like then I attract that attention. It's almost like the moment you don't need it anymore <laughs> is when you get it because you're attracting it. Absolutely. And and the thing is when when you decide like this person isn't giving me what I need. It's like when you give it to yourself, as you were saying, and you radiate that and you give whatever you, you want to receive, you give, it'll just come back in such a big way. And you also touch on something very important, which I think we, we should, I don't know if right now, but we should eventually <laughs> touch on is people give love in many different ways. So sometimes mm -hmm. we're expecting people to love us in the way that we want to be loved or show us love in the way we show love. So it can be, why isn't that person being more encouraging or why isn't that person, you know, being more touchy or hugging me or kissing me all day <laughs> or sending me gifts. But it's just people show love in so many different ways. So we have to try to see when somebody does something, the intention behind it. The love languages. Did you ever read that book? I, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, is this, it was like the seven love languages. And it's like, I forget what they are exactly. I think it was like words, physical touch. Um, it was... Um, uh, acts of service. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, but yeah, there's a bunch of them. And basically it's like, these are the languages with which people either look for or give love. 
Mm-hmm. And I just remember, yeah, this is not necessarily Vedic, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good book anyway, because I remember reading it and being like, oh, wow, my husband and I are completely opposite. And, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and because we want to receive the way we want to give. So for me, I'm words, you know, I'm a writer and a creative person. And so I, um, so I'm always telling him all the ways and th- the ways I think he's fantastic. And I could never understand, like, why does he not? seem to uh, care. (laughs) And he's doing, and he's acts of service. So he's constantly like making dinner for me and doing all these things. And and it's very rare to find a man who gives through acts of service. And supporting you to go to (laughs) India while he takes care of all of your kids. (laughs) Exactly. So here I am, he's doing all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, but why won't he write me a love letter? So, you know, but what's interesting is I think meditation helps us translate these things. I think it helps us see what's behind actions. And so it's it's possible to be with someone who communicates love differently because um, because you can you see what's behind it. So for me, I can see like, okay, well, this is how this is how he's showing love. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's not the way I'm showing I show love, I'm like, I get it. And so I can receive it. Yeah, because meditation helps you, as we've discussed before, feeling the unity of everything because of empathy. You know, we're all little waves in the ocean. And when we go deep or transcend in our meditation, we figure out that we're not just the wave. We are the whole ocean, too. So if we come from the whole ocean, from the source, we can feel what other people are feeling. So when when your husband, I don't know if we can say his name. <laughs> we can say his name. <laughs> when, you know, Ben does an act of service, um, you're no longer like, well, why didn't he say he loved me 10 times? Because you can feel what he's feeling. So you can feel his feelings of love towards you. So then that 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 demand falls off because you can feel the love. Maybe this is a good time for us to talk about what is love. Yeah, the define it um, because I think it, I think that's actually a song. Uh, but it's a few love, songs. baby. baby <laughs> we can bang our heads like a night at the Roxbury. <laughs> I broke the window again. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of a lot of good ones. So there, there's like, how do I know when it's love? <laughs> You know that one? <laughs> no. It's from the 80s. It's before your time. <laughs> I will look it up. <laughs> I can't tell you, but it lasts forever. <laughs> I think I do. I yeah. think I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're tortured everyone enough. But yeah. No, it, <laughs> what is love? Love is recognizing L. self in another. <laughs> is for oh. the way you look. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. And half our listeners drop off. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's get serious uh, yes. again. Yes. Love is recognizing self in another. And when I say it's, it's that recognizing that oneness aspect, that big self, recognizing that, that the, when you see someone and you really have that experience, that unity experience of I am you and you are me, that is a love experience. 
And so we have love experiences. We recognize self and other and our family members and our partners. The more we meditate, we start to have that love experience with everyone and everything. Because the higher state of consciousness, the more we are able to see self in another and, and, um, and see that self is everything. But for most of us, we're working on just our partners and our <laughs> immediate family members. And that's, that's what it is. It's seeing someone who is you, but not exactly you. Um, you're finding unity points with someone. You're finding alignment. Um, for example, I remember my first date with Ben. We were talking about how we both wanted to have a non-unorthodox lifestyle moving forward. We didn't want just like a house and a car and the two and a half kids and the whole thing. We wanted something different. We wanted traveling. We wanted to make a difference in the world. And so we were find- what we were doing is we were finding unity points. And if you were to look at Ben and I, you would be like, they don't, they're, they're not necessarily alike. Like he's a big, tall nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't know what I am. I'm like a... A gorgeous, uh, <laughs> blonde, Vedic goddess. I don't know if you've exhausted. seen her, but she is. <laughs> exhausted mom of three kids. <laughs> she, and he like... <laughs> she is gorgeous, like a Barbie oh. doll. Oh, Jesus. Thank <laughs> <laughs> I, I I remember... Um, when I met him, cause he like, he's into things like, like, uh, Lord of the Rings and swords. And I, I couldn't be further from interested in those things. <laughs> so, so there's differences, there's those surface differences, but, but those unity points were found, you know, at a deeper level. Um, and so I think, um, every relationship is like that. If you're too similar, it's boring. Yeah. You, you know? need those lord of the rings differences to make things <laughs> <laughs> but make to things make things spicy. In, yeah interesting and you you can learn from each other like hey i'll share a little bit about of my world but <laughs> as you said the base the basis is is so <laughs> <laughs> show you a little bit of my middle earth <laughs> I know it because my boyfriend loves Lord of the Rings and I've never seen it before I started dating him. So I get that joke now. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, the, the important things is where you have all these unity points. And then the subtle differences are what makes things interesting and you can learn from each other. And that's what makes our relationship. You don't want kiss the mirror (laughs) exactly and so another thing that that is important is that the idea of what a successful relationship should look like or should last and we have this pressure too to kind of live in a certain way but it 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 has doesn't necessarily have to be so the idea of love forever it's another, yeah, that's another one of the myths. And, and it, you see it reinforced. I mean, I've got kids who, you know, every fairy tale has kind of a happily ever after ending, which just reinforces that this idea that relationships, especially romantic relationships, if they're to be successful, are going to be last for eternity. 
when really relationships, as long as they're relevant, uh, even if they're short relationships, those are successful relationships. We, we have these, um, these interactions with other people as a way of helping our own evolution. And so if we have uh, a relationship that only lasts a couple years, but was relevant for that time, the, the dissolving of that relationship is not, not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that the relationship is no longer relevant. And so, and so we can have plenty of relationships and feel very fondly towards those people. We did, things don't have to end poorly. If, if oftentimes relationships will end if one person is evolving faster than the other, or if for some reason someone's evolution is, is best served with someone else or that person needs to go on a different path. Um, but if we just have that understanding, we can get this out of our heads where it's like, if we have past relationships that the necessarily they failed because we didn't marry the person, or if, even if we married them, that we ended up splitting with them. Um, because the only reason if you stay in a relationship that if it stays good, it's because you are help helping each other's evolution along and you're both evolving as individuals. But as each of you grow as individuals, the relationship is growing itself. It's almost like it's a third entity that needs to be nurtured. Exactly. It's like there's three beings in the relationship. It's you, <laughs> it's the other person, and then the relationship itself. And the relationship itself has its own life cycle. And something that I think is fascinating is, for example, if you're in a relationship and I don't know if you talk badly about your partner or if you cheat or whatever, and the other person won't find out necessarily, but their relationship itself, the being of the relationship is, is being damaged. It's like getting a little sick in if we see it as a being in itself. So that will probably affect the relationship and make it dissolve faster if that's what, what is relevant. So we have to treat their relationship in itself as, as a being, because that is exactly what it is and respect the, the life that it has. And if the short life, then it, it lasted whatever time it was relevant that it needed to last. And we have to not try to resuscitate things that are no longer relevant <laughs> for evolution, <laughs> because sometimes like, how can we end this relationship where we wasted seven years or whatever the time the relationship lasted, but it's it was never a waste of time because that person was very relevant for your evolution and for your growth, and you were the same for that person. So once that, as you were saying, that relevance is is over, then it's we have to let it go in an elegant manner because something more relevant is is coming, whether that's another relationship or whether that might be something else. If we re if we resist that, like you say, if we try we try to resuscitate something that needs to be over, um, that is where things get ugly. If you really try to hang on to something that is no longer relevant, this goes beyond just relationships and anything in life. If you try to hang on beyond something's relevance, is when things get ugly because then something else has to come in to break things up to move things along the way they need to go. And it's interesting when you were talking about the relationship as the third entity, one of the way in which you 
nurture that third entity, which is the relationship, is um, sacrificing preferences. So to to keep that relationship healthy, we sacrifice something we might like or want in aid of having a shared experience with the other person. So for example, (laughs) I have watched Lord of the Rings (laughs) more times than I can imagine. (laughs) Than her preference. That is not my preference. I I would rather watch sappy chick flicks or foreign language films. This this would not be my husband's preference. (laughs) Though, so we both will at times watch what the other one wants to watch because I enjoy his enjoyment more than I enjoy watching uh, something about Mary for the (laughs) sixth time. (laughs) And so, and I enjoy watching Lord of the Rings because I love seeing that he likes it and that makes his evening better. Um, So it's, it's almost like it's not, in a sense, the sacrificing preferences can be a little misleading because it's like, wait, we don't want to be, especially as women, we, it's not about, sometimes women feel like they give, 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 give. Yeah, it's not about it's being a pushover. Right. It's about, it's about enjoying the other person's enjoyment more than whatever it is you wanted. They want Chinese food, you wanted um, Japanese food, and but you you love that they love Chinese food. So you go for it just to watch them have their dumplings (laughs) exactly because it's so much more important and worth it to have that beautiful moment with that person in which you're having this this beautiful shared experience of having chinese food and you're enjoying that they're enjoying it and you're having this beautiful moment instead of like no but i don't want that and last time we had what you like it's it's not about that it's about enjoying and at the end of the day as you said i'm getting a little vedic and technical here but when we manifest (laughs) from the absolute um we're all the universe so when we when we manifest into these beautiful beings that we all are, the reason why this happens is so that we can have a shared experience is that so we can have, we can recognize ourselves and other people. So that is why we surrender our preferences so that we can have this shared experience because that in the end is, is the reason why we have life. Well, yeah, the reason I had to get into manifestation. We could do a whole nother show on that buzzword, which I can't stand. <laughs> but, but it's an important subject because most people don't know what it means. Um, but the reason the absolute, that pure consciousness decides to bifurcate and become, you know, become many, you know, to become dynamic, is to remember itself, remember its oneness. Uh, because the experience of remembering the oneness, that recognition, that remembrance is so enjoyable. The oneness cannot experience love because there's nowhere to go. The oneness needs to become two so it can remember and have that. And it is the the traveling back to one, that that remembering of oneness that, that gives you that fuzzy unity experience that is happening all over the globe right now. That is how... The oneness is experiencing through all its nervous systems, this feeling of love and getting enjoyment from that. And so 
so when we are having these love unity experiences with one another, whether it's a partner, whether it's with our children or our, just the barista at the coffee shop who gave you some extra foam because <laughs> <laughs> they knew you liked it, it's um, that is you're you are fulfilling the purpose of the universe with that. So I think that isn't there a phrase that says like no life is wasted if someone lo- it's I'm not saying it right but it's like if uh if you've if you experience love then then your life is worthwhile that's the gist there's a phrase out there I'll find it yeah I, I don't know what it is but it seems it seems about right and so um we should also talk about relationships you know we talked a little about you know relationships with your partner where you're having to evolve at the same pace and sometimes that person one person evolves more quickly than the other. And so that can cause the relationship to no longer be relevant. If one person in the relationship is pulling back the other person, then it really dissolves quickly. Yeah. It's like, um, nope. We, we can't, you can't be held back. Right. <laughs> this has to end now. This has to end. Um, however, there are those people in our lives that are in our lives regardless of their state of consciousness, <laughs> you know, certain people in our family. And so how do we find love for people who may not be evolving at our pace? Um, and we, we, we can find love by really looking for unity. You can find unity points in anyone. Even if you're, if you're democratic, you can find love for a Republican. You just have to look for those points of unity. We yeah. need more of this actually in the world. And you can find lovability in absolutely everything, even if you're fighting with somebody and or somebody's yelling at you, you can still try to find something lovable about them. You know, you can try to see like, well, they're wearing this perfume and probably in the morning when they were getting dressed, they wanted to smell nice. So they put this little perfume on or look at how they tie their shoes or it can be whatever. It can be the tiniest thing. But if you find a thread of lovability in that person, then you can find at least one unity point. And when you do, then the whole, the whole moment that you're living changes. And then, and then you can actually find how to love that person. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it takes practice (laughs) (laughs) and some people it's harder to find than others, but there's always, everyone is doing their best from their own state of consciousness so, so long as you can expand your own consciousness, you can find something that is, is a point of unity and that, and then you can build off that. So even if there's people in your family that have been frustrating you your whole life, there's something there that you can turn your attention to. And the thing is when you put your attention, where you put your attention grows. So if you put your attention on those th- aspects of someone that are admirable or inspiring, you're actually in a way, nurturing those things in them. Whereas if you put your attention on the things that you find frustrating about someone, well, you're, you're actually growing those. Yeah. And that attention and, you know, even as meditators, our attention gets a little stronger so they can, they can feel that. And if you put a loving attention on them, they can almost kind of change their attitude a little because you're not putting attention on the negative things, but on the positive. So they can feel a little of that wave of love that you're giving. And that might even end up switching whatever argument you might be having. 
So in order to relate this to how, how does changing our, our viewpoints on relationships affect social change, you know, on the big global scale, um, if you can get along and find, if you can use your family and the people around you as practice for relating, then it's almost like your heart grows outward from there. And so you can then find lovability in people across the world. You can start feeling self in another in migrants coming across the border who are suffering. And then that is motivating to then help them. Or you can find um, lovability in people of different races, different socioeconomic classes. And when you, anytime we find self in another, there's an automatic impulse to help. And so if we can really understand our own personal relationships and the dynamics of them and how we really are these beings looking for self in another, not just in our personal relationships, but beyond that, then we can start to stretch that, stretch our hearts past those personal relationships and then in a sense, have relationships with almost anyone we encounter. And we can start uplifting everyone we encounter, all our relationships, both our acquaintances and the people in our lives. And when we start uplifting those who are around us, then they are in a better position to start helping others. So it's almost like this ripple effect in a sense. So even though we're talking about personal relationships today, this really does affect the global scene and all these other movements happening because it, because everything starts with the individual and ripples out from there. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, <laughs> but it, it all begins with, with the self. First, we have to get ourselves in, in a right place, in a right mindset. We have to establish a loving relationship with ourselves. And once we do, that changes first, as you said, our relationship with our partner, with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers. And as you said, that that starts to ripple out. And if every single person, well, we don't even need every single person, but if we get enough <laughs> people to to establish themselves and being the change. <laughs> but I, I mean, if we get enough people to have a, a a good relationship with themselves in a, in a loving way that will ripple out and that will definitely change the collective because when you don't have a good relationship with yourself, when you're in a place of, of ignorance of not love or even hate, that is the kind of relationship that you're going to have with absolutely everyone. And that will ripple out as well. So that is why we always want to start with, with us as individuals and when we evolve and when we grow and when we have loving relationships with ourselves first, that will, that will just go out into the collective. It's amazing how many people have, um, such a poor relationship with themselves, you know, <laughs> who just are constantly have negative self-talk. It's constant, like an inner critic going almost 24 hours a day. Um, and meditation can really soften that because those voices, that's not the ocean of self. <laughs> that's, stress. That, that's the wave. That's stress. That's your stress talking to you and pushing you down. And the first thing that happens with meditation is those voices don't go away, but they don't, they seem foreign. 
Mm-hmm. So you still hear them, but you're like, oh, I recognize those. Those are those critic voices. That's that's weird. Yeah, that's <laughs> Why like- are they saying those things? <laughs> Look at that. Um, like, that's so not really- it, it doesn't feel like you anymore. It just feels like this weird reaction happening. And so they're much easier to ignore and go about doing the things you need to do to help others. And and you're not so in the ego, not worried about like, oh, will I get attention for this? Will will I get validation? What's in it for me? All those questions start to fall away and you just start doing what it is that's that your intuition is pulling you to do and you can follow whatever calling it is that you have. Um, but, but, but a lot of us have that, you know, and I, I know I still have it sometimes, you know, anytime someone takes a picture of me in a bathing suit and I happen to see it, I'm like, good God, (laughs) I definitely have a moment, but (laughs) you bounce right back, but yeah, but it doesn't last. It's like, okay, well that's, but that's what that is (laughs) because you know, it's, it's, it's not you, it's not you. I mean, I know it's your body and things, but you're so much more than than what you look like in a bikini. I mean, that's good. By the way, <laughs> I think you look fabulous. I've seen those. So, <laughs> but I mean that that's not the point. The point is that you are no longer defined by these things because you right. experience the ocean of self. So once these little voices come in your head, you're like, well, that's not me. I've experienced me. Me is infinite. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? And as you said, you can just ignore them. So you might have a little a little bit of like, ooh, and then it just goes away. Yeah, I'm the ocean of self and no bikini can fit that. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger than any size available in any size. <laughs> Well, it's true. You identify less and less with those things. And it's, and it's all, you know, it's all gradation. It's all a work in progress. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to me that, that our culture tends to nurture this um, self-hatred. And, um, and it really is, it's the foundation for all your relationships is how, is your relationship with yourself and whether or not you have a practice or some ability to find happiness for no reason, happiness that doesn't need someone else. Because I don't know if you you remember in school, there's always that, like that one kid that every other kid had a crush on because they didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you like me? (laughs) But it's that self-fulfillment that's so attractive. Um, ironically (laughs) and so you find that fulfillment and then really the relationships in your life they don't make or break you it's more they're there for having that enjoy that enjoyment of shared experience and if for some reason the relationship dissolves that you're still fulfilled and eventually you know you'll find another person that you can share in that fulfillment and or more than one person (laughs) Yeah, and and I don't know if you you've heard this, but Young Pueblo, which is this poet, I think I sent you his book, and he's a meditator yes. as well, and he's amazing, and he has this quote about relationships in which it's as we were saying, it's not about okay, you're gonna fulfill me, it's about you find your own fulfillment and then you share that with the other person. But when you're in a relationship and you want to keep 
relevant in each other's lives and grow and evolve at, at a similar pace. I mean, somebody might be ahead at some point and then the other, and you keep it in, in check of how you're growing together. But we want to offer that fulfillment and we want to s- support the other person, their happiness. And that's what he says. It's like, how can I support you in your happiness? And mm-hmm. that's, that's what we want to aspire to. We want to find our own fulfillment and have our person have their fulfillment as well, but we want to support each other's happiness when you want to support each other's uh, preferences and that'll, that'll enhance. And it's like watering the, the plant of, of that third entity. Yes, exactly. And just think about how secure you need to be in order to even think that thought, how do I support you in your happiness? That, that thought doesn't even occur to someone if they're a bag of need. Um, but just think about who you want in your life. Do you want the bag of need or do you want that person who's really looking at you, who sees you? Um, that's another thing. People want to be seen. We're all here. This, the relative universe is, is self, witnessing self, witnessing self. And so there's a Sanskrit term for it. It's called soma, which is loosely translates to attention. So we all want attention. Every every aspect of creation is looking for attention. However, those of us who meditate, we are getting soma from it within. We're getting that attention from our big self. We're, we're the inner witness is what is witnessing us, and so we don't need attention from the outside necessarily. It's enjoyable, but we're not looking for someone else to give us that soma and then pull that soma from them. Which is honestly, it's an exhausting. Thing if someone is taking your soma, if someone is pulling your attention without giving it back. So when we are able to pull that, have that witnessing come from within, then what is it that's doing the witnessing? When you meditate, then when you look at your partner, it is that big inner self that is witnessing them. And that is a very powerful thing for someone to be, be, be held, beholden, beheld. You are <laughs> asking held. the wrong person. <laughs> All of them, all of the above, sound all correct the above. to me. That's not right. <laughs> to be, to be witnessed, <laughs> to be witnessed by that big consciousness has a very stirring effect. Um, and if you go around, notice how few people are actually when they're talking to you, or like who is really looking at you, who is really um, not thinking of themselves as they're talking to you. You'll find most people are just in their heads thinking about, you know, how they look in their jeans as they're talking. And when their turn to answer what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, I'm not really listening to understand. I'm listening to see what I want to say. Exactly. Exactly. So when you find someone who's really witnessing you and observing you, it's actually, it's incredibly powerful. And if you can meditate and you can become that for someone else, you'll find that a whole new world opens up in your relationships because now, now you're, you're having that complete exchange instead of just two people who are just living in their own little worlds of self doubt. (laughs) And, and that allows you to actually let that person, you're giving the person the freedom to actually just be themselves because exactly. oftentimes we we are in a relationship and we we demand of that person to have certain um, behaviors or certain feelings and we and as you're saying we're not really seeing the person we're, we we want them 
they, they're like fulfilling a role, but we're yeah, not really exactly. just being with the person because of the person and just allowing them to be freely themselves. So when you meditate and, and you kind of let go of, of those roles that the other person has to fulfill and, and you just are there in the relationship because that's what you, your heart actually wants. You allow that person to be and, and give them total freedom to do so. And as you said, that opens up the relationship in such a, a more beautiful and real way. It's so amazing to me. Yeah, I'm celebrating my 10-year anniversary with Ben next month. Uh, wedding anniversary. We actually started seeing each other, I don't know, 14 years ago, something like that. But, um, but how there's still things to discover. And when we have this idea, you know, so a lot of people have these preconceived notions of the person they're with. Like you said, they're either fulfilling a role or they have, they have this, this expectations of, okay, this is the person. And they have to fit in this definition of this person in my life because they are filling this role of boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, lover, friend, whatever it is, the role they're filling. And whether or not they fill that or not is causes frustration or difficulty. But if we can be the wit innocent witness of this person and give them that space and permission to really just be themselves, there's so much to discover because they're even discovering it themselves. You know, they're becoming who they are and evolving. And, and it's so fascinating to just allow for that, um, for that witnessing of that person to, to, and let them surprise you, let them surprise you with who they are. Um, and then you, as well as you evolve, you can find you surprise yourself because, and we're going to talk about this in another podcast, but about breaking down cultural indoctrination to really see who it is, who you are. Um, and, and let yourself unfold without any expectations. Um, but that's, that's one of the beauties of relationship that doesn't get to get experienced by too many people. Exactly. Because uh, as you're saying, you, you're always evolving and you're always growing and you're always surprising yourself. And, and if, as I've been a witness of your relationship with Ben, and this is what's happened in your relationship, you allow each other to evolve while still being relevant in each other's lives because you you grow together and you support each other's happiness and you support each other's growth as we were saying ben completely supported your idea of going to, on our initiator training and he took care of the kids and he was like i'm on board go do your thing and evolve and grow and become a, a beautiful teacher which you have and he evolved with you while he was here and and so that's that's the beauty because you you keep evolving as as a couple and as individuals and i think that's why you've had such a successful relationship and and a long one because of how you've evolved as individuals and supported each other's happiness and evolution and you've you've kept relevant in each other's lives yeah we've definitely had rough patches but i remember when i went to india to to learn to teach meditation was right after one of those rough patches and we did get together realized we needed a paradigm shift in the relationship that if things were going to continue down that path that they weren't going anywhere good so 
Um, so we needed some, we, <laughs> it put us in a perfect position to make a major change, but we did, we did it together. And so we go, both got the benefit from, from that quick evolution that happened from, from doing this. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> plus he's acts of service. So. <laughs> So it all worked out. <laughs> in summation, the the most important thing, if if listening to this, if you walk away with one thing, it would be that relationships are about finding fulfillment within and exporting it to those in your life. Um, that if you can reverse your thinking rather than trying to pull happiness from someone else, and expect that of them and turn it around. And like you said, how can I support the other's happiness that will completely revolutionize your relationships from here on out? Just that one mental shift. Yeah. And you know, if at some point a relationship ends, it's not, Oh, I hate that person. It's like, thank you for being relevant for so long in my life and for helping me grow and evolve. And Let's go each in our paths to find things that are more relevant for us and keep exporting that fulfillment into any other relationship that I might have, either that be romantic or not. And this is such a such a popular topic that I'm sure we will be doing a part two at some point. So if you have any questions or comments about what we discussed here, please reach out to us and we'd be happy to incorporate it into one of our next episodes. In the meantime, please subscribe. We have got a bunch of great interviews coming up and a bunch of new topics and we'll be coming at you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Love. Jager Day. Jager Day. Bye. <laughs> Bye.